Hey, Justin, it's Friday. Happy Friday. I'm excited for the weekend. How about you? Any plans? Hey, Sandy. Yes, I have. Um, I'm going to Disney World, so I'm super excited. You know how it is in Orlando. Fun. Are you doing the new ride? I think Tron is the new one, right? Unfortunately, no, I'm doing the new ride that I haven't gone yet, which is the Guardian of the Galaxy. And also this week is going to be the last opportunity to watch the uh, 50th anniversary fireworks in Magic Kingdom. So I don't want to miss that. Oh, wow. That sounds exciting. You're going to have a lot of fun, I'm sure. Thank Probably you. as much fun as our conversation with Chavez Parker from the Bahamas. He was really, really cool. I enjoyed talking to him, music production graduate who did not choose the traditional route after graduating from Full Sail. And that was pretty exciting. Yeah, I was really amazed by his journey and being able to travel in so many different countries and being able to adapt and use his adversity and skills from what he learned and yeah, being able to adapt and do well in those different locations. I hope you guys are as excited to listen as we were to have this conversation with Chavez. So here we go. Enjoy Global Grads presents Chavez Parker. Well, welcome everyone to our Global Grads Presents series, starring Full Sail International grads from all around the world as they reconnect to give back to you, our students and alumni. I'm Sandy Fon Cannon, the International Student Coordinator. I'm also joined by Justin Francisco, also Student Coordinator. He's going to be manning the chat today. We invite you to follow ISS on Instagram, Facebook, for lots of uh, good ideas about things that are going on. Hi, Chavez. How are you doing? Good. And yourself? I am doing really good. Thanks for asking. I'm going to jump right into your intro so people know a little bit about you before we get started. 
So Chavez was born in the Grand Bahamas in 1994. He received his Bachelor of Science in Music Production from Full Sail University, and then later obtained a Master's of Art in Music Production, Innovation, and Technology from Berklee College of Music, Valencia, Spain campus. How exciting. Chavez has been a musician for as long as he can remember, mastering instruments such as the piano and drums, while currently working on the bass guitar. In the past five years, he's worked consistently as a recording engineer at various studios across the world and as a freelance music producer for various projects. He's currently producing within the music, film, and advertisement industries, affording him with a clients all across the globe, from Argentina to China and everywhere in between. He's currently working as a creative licensing manager for one of the industry's leading sync companies who've done work with Netflix, Hulu, and BET. Some of his production credits are with Tyler Perry, Tyler Perry Studios, A Major, and Demo Lottie, just to name a few. Although he is still very early in his professional career, this means he hasn't even begun to reach the peak of his potential just yet. So while he continues on his journey, he plans on bringing as much people along while sharing the knowledge he has learned along the way. I love that. Look at you getting it done. Sounds nice. I wonder who wrote that. <laughs> <laughs> it is really good. So um, I want to first ask you a little bit about kind of your journey and what got you to full sale in the beginning. So let's okay. start with your childhood. So tell us a little bit about, you know, your family, your brother, and kind of how that worked out for you. So I, I come from a very musical family on both sides. Um, both of my parents uh, are musicians. My father being a singer and my mom actually is a pianist herself. Um, so growing up, it was almost inevitable for us to pick up an instrument, to go into music class, that type of thing. So me and my two, two older siblings, we would go to music lessons, I think sometimes two, three times a week when we were younger. And music just stuck with me. Um, it stuck with all three of us, but I really wanted to pursue music, like only music. Like that was the one thing that I was like, you know what, I got to do it. And so in high school, I actually had my own little cover band and we had a fun time, you know, playing a lot of popular songs at the time. This was back early uh, 2010s, around that time. He was playing a lot of popular music around that time. And that's what really struck this whole interest in creating my own music. Um, I had no software, I had no computer of my own, but just the idea of making your own song, it was very interesting, interesting to me. So fast forward a few years, my brother got a computer and he had a software called FL Studio. I'm sure a lot of people know about that. And I used to watch him doodle with FL Studio a lot. And then fast forward a few years later, he got another software called Reason. And so Reason looked a little bit more complicated than FL. So that made me even more interested in this whole music production thing. So I asked him to show me how to work Reason. And at the same time, he was going to full sale. And I was like, you know what? I feel like this is exactly what I want to do. He was going to full sale for recording arts. And I think at the time, the music production uh, degree was either new or it, hasn't, or it hadn't come out yet. So by the time as I was ready to go to full sale, it was already there. And I mean, I was just elated about the fact that they had a music production degree because I figured out along the way, okay, music production is my thing. This is where I need to be. So anyway, got into full sale did the whole music production degree. And I literally had the time of my life while I was there, just learning everything about music on a daily basis. It was literally like heaven on earth. So much so that when I got done with Full Sail, I had to go back to school, do music production again, because I, I couldn't get enough of it. But um, wow. yeah, that's pretty much my little, you know, intro to this whole thing. That's where it all started. 
how did your parents feel about you also wanting to go away to school since your brother had, I mean, you know, as a mom, I might've been a little selfish and wanted you to stay local. <laughs> so my mom definitely wanted me to stay local for sure. But because my brother had, had already went off and I forgot to mention in between there, my sister also went to full sale, but she did entertainment business. So when it was my time to go off to school, and I mentioned full sale, you know, it was like a three P for her. She was like, you too. So I mean, um, basically, yeah, basically she was able to get us, get all three of us in there. And um, they were very supportive about it, especially um, my dad, you know, they, they always have two things for me to stay focused and to be safe. So I made them the promise that I would stay focused and be safe. So aside from that, they were very supportive of me pursuing this music production degree. That's amazing. Was it your first time kind of away from home for an extended period? Um, somewhat, yes, somewhat, yes. So the I, I actually went to, I guess you can say a community college prior to Full Sail, but it was just on another island in the Bahamas. So it wasn't too far away from home. It was like a 35 minute flight away from the island that I'm originally from. So yeah, when I moved to Orlando, it was kind of like my official, you know, space away from home. Yeah. Now your brother, Calvin, had already mm -hmm. been here. So I'm sure he told you a lot about the school to kind of prepare you. Was there anything that he told you that you found to be totally off the mark when you got mm -hmm. here? It's like, hey, Calvin told me blah, 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 and I'm finding something different. Or was it exactly as, as he prepared you for? Actually, it was exactly what he prepared me for. Um, I remember he talked to me about the schedule. He was like, you know, you'll have classes pretty much seven days a week. Um, depending on the schedule, you could have a class starting at one o'clock in the morning. You know, he was because he was in recording arts and, you know, the recording arts schedule is pretty crazy. So I was pretty much prepared from then. And I was actually excited to, you know, actually have class at one o'clock in the morning. Or, you know, I was just I was just excited about that because in a, in a traditional college, you don't necessarily get to experience that. And what I quickly learned when I came to Full Sail, like during orientation week, I realized that they specifically did that to emulate what the real world would be like in the music industry. And I can say for sure that, yes, that's exactly what it's like in the music industry. As I mentioned to you guys earlier, before we got started, like my weekends, I, you know, I pretty much still work on the weekends. Under normal circumstances, you would have weekends off, but based on my job, I still work on the weekends and I work all hours, but, you know, I still find the balance, which is the good thing. And you know, that age old saying, if you're doing something you love, it's not really work at all. It's, you know. Absolutely. basically yeah. so that's was true for you as well that's good so um did you have a hard time at all with the visa process i'm assuming that because you were you know number three it was probably pretty simple and you were like check in right away huh it was it was very simple i i i feel like the people at the u.s embassy in the bahamas they probably knew my mother at that point <laughs> Because she had already done, you know, my brother, and then she came back to do my sister, and then she came back to do me. So yeah, the process was pretty smooth. Um, I will say it is important to make sure that you have all of your documentation and copies of all of your documentation. Um, because if you if you don't have one thing that they may necessarily need, that could delay the process, as I've seen it happen for other students. But um, but yeah, the process was super smooth applied, had all the documentation, did the interview, and it was, it was just smooth. Perfect. Was it hard for you at all to get used to the accelerated pace? I know you were excited about the 1 a.m. classes, but what about having a 1 a.m. class and then having to be back at in 9 a.m. or noon or one o'clock in the afternoon? How was that for you? So I, I think the first time it was a bit tough because um, when I got back home, you know, the, the question was, do I go to sleep? Do I stay up? You know, and a few times I did go to sleep and, and, I, and my alarm went off and then I 
put it on snooze and I woke up like 10 minutes before. So thankfully I lived close to school. I was still able to make it somewhat on time, <laughs> at least before the 15 minute grace period. But um, yeah, it was a little bit of a transition at first. Um, but afterwards I realized that, okay, if I'm gonna keep having 1 a.m. classes and then my next class is gonna be nine o'clock or even midday, I should probably stay up, work on some assignments, you know, find something to do, and then rest in the evening or afternoon time before the next one o'clock class. So yeah, that was that was the happy medium that I was able to find. Now you said that you have played instruments since you were little because your parents were also, you know, musical musicians. Did you learn theory at all before you got here? Or did you play just by ear and kind of teach yourself through your family? Was the theory yeah classes hard for you at all? So the theory classes, <laughs> if I'm being honest, it was a bit frustrating at first because I had done, you know, the basic music theory pretty much my whole life. So from I was about maybe six or seven years old, I knew the lines and spaces of the treble clef, lines and spaces of the bass clef, like all of the basic stuff that you would go through. I think the first I think music theory one, music te theory two, I feel like those things I pretty much knew, you know, from long time. So by the time as I reached the music theory three, music theory four, my attitude changed and I was like, you know what, it's okay to relearn this information or to pretend as if I don't know it. Um, because I had done a, a music degree prior coming to Full Sail. So I'm somewhat classically trained I played classic, yeah, I played classical music, I played jazz music at, at the school. And so, you know, knowing music theory or knowing extensive music theory was a prerequisite of that program. So I, I, had, a, I had a very solid music theory foundation prior coming to Full Sail. And I'm sure that helped you along the way. 100%, 100%. And I was able to help a lot of my classmates as well, you know, Going back to networking, you know, um, once persons found out that I played music, you know, we all kind of worked together. So in certain classes where I was lacking, I needed help. I got help from them and vice versa. When it was time for music theory, everybody knew, yo, Chavez is good with this. So let's get some help from him. And so we just kind of traded off our resources that way. Yeah. That's great. So it sounds like you connected really well with those in your class, which is really good. But sometimes for international students, it's a little difficult when they get here and, you know, they're meeting all the U.S. kids, but sometimes feel a little outside, I guess, being an international student and having, you know, being away from home. Did you connect at all with the International Student Society? Did you find any other students also from the Bahamas? Yeah, while I was there, while I was there, I think I met one other student from the Bahamas. But you know how it is when you're in a different part of the program, you know, you, you rarely see each other on campus. But we connected for sure. And, um, you know, we spent some time together outside of school. But to kind of go back to, you know, connecting with other students, whether they were international students or not, um, I really didn't have an issue at all. I, I try to be as friendly as possible. You know, if, if someone looks like they need assistance, I offer it. That's kind of like my way in to say, hey, I'm a cool person. We can hang. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I've done that a lot. And yeah, I have so many connections still from Full Sail, whether they were international students or not. Persons that I still keep in touch with to this day. Um, I think... I think the, the important thing is just letting persons know that, hey, I'm human too. We're in this together and let's try and figure this thing out together. And that's how, you know, that's how a lot of my relationships got started. And that's how they're still here. Kind of face too, honestly. I mean, just when you just look at you, I mean, your that smile is big. I mean, it's just welcoming to anybody that's around you, I'm sure. So that's, that's a good thing to have. I love it. So we always talk about your biggest takeaway from Full Sail. So I know, you know, the big network word that we've talked about a lot, networking. Tell us about your networking experience and how it started and how it's affected you and your career. 
Okay, so funny thing, um, prior prior to me starting Full Sail, I was under a music director back home in the Bahamas, who was really good at networking. Like he can go into any room, talk to anyone. And I remember asking him like, hey, how do you network? How, how can I you know, learn how to network like you? And he just basically told me, you know, approach every situation with confidence. And so when I came to Full Sail, being from the Bahamas, not knowing anyone in the room, I just decided to pro approach everyone with a little bit of confidence and, you know, ask, ask questions about, I ask questions about them as opposed to just telling them stuff about me. And that's pretty much how those networks became friendships. And some of those friendships became, you know, business partners or, you know, like persons just working together in the same industry. As I mentioned earlier with my previous friend, Vince, when we met at the Full Sail uh, Orientation Networking event, we just pretty much kept in touch throughout the whole program, throughout all of these years from 2015 to now, and we're working together now to this day. So definitely the biggest takeaway from Full Sail was networking, the importance of networking, how to network, because, you know, when you're in an environment that's completely new to you, it's easy to kind of just, you know, shy away, especially if you're by yourself. I was by myself. Like I didn't come with a friend, didn't come with family. You know, even though my brother and sister had went to Full Sail, by the time as I got there, they were already gone. They weren't in Orlando at all. So it was just me. And um, I had to suck it up and open up my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> did you have a roommate? I did not. So I lived alone, which that was, harder, don't you think? well, I had a, I had a bad roommate experience prior to. So for me, for me, I felt like living alone was heaven on earth, just, just based on my prior experience. But if I were to do it again, I think having a roommate would be, would be great, especially someone in the same program, maybe someone that started the same time as you. I feel like that would be great too, because again, you know, a lot of people are coming from different parts of the world to Orlando. For, for a lot of us, Orlando was a, like, it was our first time coming to Orlando. So we didn't know anything about Orlando, where to go, where to hang out, that type of thing. So yeah, I think it would be cool to have a, a roommate. If I were to do it again, I would do it with a roommate for sure. Good to know. Any teachers that really impacted you? Um, Troy. Troy, I'm not sure if Troy Adam, Troy Adam, I'm not sure if he's still there. He was our song, he was our songwriting teacher. Um, he really impacted me uh, in a positive way. Keith, Keith Lay, um, he impacted me in a positive way. One of the lab techs, I'm not sure if he's a lecturer now, but he he was one of the lab techs. Like everybody loved him. His name was Jeremy. I'm trying to remember his last name slip my mind but yeah that's the names that I could that I could remember right now there's a lot there's a lot more but those are those were the top three that I that I like connected with outside of class you know we would see each other in the uh, around the lounges and stuff like that and grab a cup of coffee together and just chat outside of class so yeah those are those are the guys that really impacted me positively nice full sale teaches a lot about working in teams and working with other people. In your career, do you find that that is true? Is that valuable information? How much of being a team player is important in your world? Oh, being a team player in my world is super important because when you work for a company or with a company, you realize at the end of the day, you know, everything that you do is for the benefit of the company, not so much the benefit of you. So you learn very quickly that putting your ego aside is the first thing that you have to do if you want to be successful in this industry. Um, just being a music producer as well, like if you're working with an artist and you may have an idea or you may have a vision of where, where you think the music should go, you know, at the end of the day, it's not just you. It may be you and another producer and four or five songwriters and the engineer who also has has an opinion. So it's so important 
that you all can work together as a team to basically make this magic happen. You know, every instance that I've been in in the music industry, whether it's me working as a creative licensing manager or me working as a music producer or me working as a recording engineer, I've had to work in somewhat of a team setting. So being a team player is super important for achieving the goal, especially in the music industry. Not 100% sure about the other industries, but for music, for sure, you have to be a team player because there's so many creatives there's so many different personalities that just have to come together for you know the greater good to achieve that goal that we all have. I agree. In life in general, I think that's true as well. For sure. For sure. So after full sale, when you were graduating, as all international students have the opportunity to stay in the States for an extra or for another year and do optional practical training. So you chose a different route and decided not to do OPT. So tell us why and what you did after graduating with your music production bachelor's degree. So I, 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 felt, I felt like I wasn't done with school yet. You know, um, I, wanted to, I wanted to keep going. <clears throat> the two years just went by so fast. And so I think it was maybe February or March of 2017, I started looking for masters in music production degrees and I came across Berkeley. And then I saw it was in Berkeley in Boston, it was actually Berkeley in Spain. I was like, Spain, huh? And so I spoke to my parents about it and I told them I'm thinking about applying for my master's degree. I didn't tell them exactly what it was at first because I know Spain is like, you know, halfway across the world. So I just was like, yeah, I'm applying for my master's. I'll let you guys know how it goes. And so it wasn't until I was like halfway through the entire process. Um, I basically told them like, yeah, it's in Spain. This is what I'm trying to do. This is where I'm trying to go. So that's why I didn't do the OPT. It would have been great to stay back, you know, an internship because I had to intern, I had to do the internship phase a little bit after I got into my career. Um, it would have been cool to kind of just got it done out of the way firsthand, but you know, life works when the way it's supposed to. But uh, afterwards, yeah, I just went to, to Berkeley College of Music to do that master's degree in music production. And I actually don't regret it. It was, it was, it was, it was a great experience as well. It was a great and experience. you didn't have to speak Spanish. I'm assuming it was all in English. Yeah, it was all in English. Um, I learned some Spanish just because outside of the campus, like everything is in Spanish. Like uh, in Spain, Spain is one of the European countries where most people here, they don't speak English. They either speak Spanish or, you know, they have different dialects here in Spain, like Catalan and Valencian and all those other different languages that, that kind of stem from Spanish. So I had to learn, you know, some Spanish to be able to get by, like to tell the taxi driver where I need to go, to order food in the grocery stores, you know, the basic stuff like that. But yeah, for the most part, I spoke English all the time. All the classes were in English. Everyone on campus spoke English. Um, a lot of international students as well came through that school too. Not just, not just students from the U.S., but we had um, a lot of kids from Asia. That came over for that. Um, a lot of kids from South America as well came over. So it was like a nice little melting pot, nice little boiling pot in the middle of Spain. <laughs> nice. Was their program accelerated as well or was it just normal pace and you felt like you had a ton of time on your hands? What was it compared to full sale schedule wise? It was definitely normal pace. Um, I think we did maybe three or four classes per semester. So I had time on my hands. I actually had way too much time on my hands. Um, <laughs> yeah, I did, I did so much while I was there, not that I'm thinking about it, but um, yeah, the, the schedule is completely different. I was actually so used to, you know, the fast paced of Full Sail. That's why I got so involved on campus. I was doing, I was doing stuff in other programs that my program didn't even know of me like I just wanted to 
you know, take up the time because, you know, when you're in full sale and this is not a bad thing at all with full sale. Like I love the fact that you always have something to do right after your lecture, you have lab, you know, and during your lab, you're either working on something or trying to complete an assignment. And then you have assignments that's due, you know, at the end of the week. So I, I, I loved that. Um, but Berkeley, Berkeley didn't offer that for me. It was a great experience, but in terms of the schedule, completely different, like night and day, completely different. Now, when you go for a master's degree, typically it's additional learning, continued learning, higher learning than a bachelor's degree. So for music production, obviously here at Full Sail, you're learning about composition and different means to compose media, that sort of thing. So for the master's program, how above and beyond did it go? What do you feel you got more out of it? Yeah, that's a great question. So um, we focused more on genres. Mm. First semester, we focused more on genres. And um, you had a few electives that you could have taken outside of like your typical music production courses. And one of the electives were uh, video production. And I'm going to get into that in a sec. You have video production, um, photography, and DJing. So they offered those. Yeah, they offered those as electives. Uh, I opted out of the DJing because video production sounded very interesting to me. And so when you think of video production, you're thinking music videos. No, that is, that's not what it was. It was actually learning how to create music visualizers. Yeah, mm. it was, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was pretty much in depth uh, along the lines of like coding. Um, some of the programs we used were, I'm trying to remember Blender, we used Blender, which, which allowed us to create like our own figures. Um, and then we, we learned ways to basically link our DAWs, our digital audio workstations, with those vi video production softwares, and that's how we were able to create like these audio visual projects. Like it was, yeah, it was some some crazy stuff. That's why the program isn't just music production; it's music production, technology, and innovation. Makes sense. Wow! So you got even more. Yeah. Learning your bell. That's always good, right? Yep. Okay. So now when you finish that, I guess people would think, oh, okay, I'm going to go back to the Bahamas. I'm going to kind of see what I can do there with music. But no, nope, you didn't do that. What did you decide to do instead? Uh, I decided to move to Shanghai. <laughs> <laughs> decided to move to Shanghai. Shanghai, um, it, was like, it was like a last minute move. I had my eyes set on London, actually. Um, when I was in Spain, I, I wanted to move to London because I learned a little bit about the music scene while I was in Spain, because I had some colleagues that lived in London. And so when they were talking to me about London, I was like, okay, this sounds like the next place I'm gonna try and go to. But that didn't work out. And my girlfriend at the time, who's not my wife, she was moving to Shanghai. And I was like, there's nothing for me in Shanghai. Like, I don't know anything about China. Nonetheless, I looked into it, opportunities presented itself, and it was one of those, it was one of those special years again. It's one of those special times, just like Full Sail. It was short-lived, but it was amazing. It was amazing. I bet. How did the visa work then, going from Spain, well, Bahamas, US, Spain, and now to China? How did yeah. that work? Was that hard? Um, I think I think what I think my process got delayed because there was a lot of there was a lot of things that was lost in translation. Um, so I wouldn't say it was hard, um, but I didn't have everything that they were asking for initially. So instead of the process taking six to eight weeks, it probably took about ten, maybe eleven weeks for me to get my visa. Um, which was fine, you know, I reached out to the company that employed me and I just, you know, explained to them that there's a little bit of a, of a delay. And that's another thing too, when, you, when, you, when you're applying for work in China, you usually get help from the, from the company that would hire you. 
they would usually help you. So they sent over everything for me, but it was just up to me, whatever documentation I needed to get on my end that the Chinese embassy needed. Um, like I said, a lot of that got lost in translation. So finally I was able to get them everything. And yeah, it was a smooth, it was a smooth transition nonetheless. Um, I will say I had to do a lot more. Um, there was a lot more medical requirements for the Chinese, yeah, for the Chinese visa than the American visa. Um, I remember having to go to uh, the doctor's office like a few days out of a week. Like I think it was like from like a Tuesday to a Friday. I had these different appointments because I had to get certain requirements, certain vaccines and stuff like that for China. So yeah, but other than that, I feel like I feel like the process was was pretty fine. They did. What kind of work were you doing? So I worked as a, a English teacher in the day. I taught English to little kids, like from I think their 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 age age range was like from four all the way up to like fourteen, and I had a blast, you know, teaching kids English. But aside from that. I also got a job playing at a jazz club in Shanghai. And all of the jazz clubs in Shanghai, they kind of have like this little, you know, connection going on. So once you play at one jazz club, you pretty much play at all the jazz clubs. And so music teacher by day, <laughs> jazz pianist by night. And, you know, being in that music scene, in Shanghai, it opened up doors for me to work with some Chinese artists. There was also some South African artists that stayed in Shanghai as well, so I worked there. And then, you know, it was it was only a matter of time before I found a studio, and I reached out to a studio that was there in Shanghai, and I basically did some freelance work for them here and there as well, because they saw I went to Full Sail. They were very familiar with Full Sail, so they was like, yes, of course, we, you know, we, we know we know about full sales, so we'll, you know, we'll call you. And so they they allowed me to do some freelance, some freelance work for them as well. Very good. So this is 2018, 2019? Yes, this is 2018, 2019. And may I, may I insert in there as well, because of full sale and because of all of the networking that I did, one of my very good friends is actually from China. He's actually from Beijing. So when I moved to China, he was also living in China as well. Like he moved back from full, from full sale as well. And so a lot of the music opportunities that came to him, he's a composer. And a lot of the opportunities that came to him, he and I worked on collaboratively as well. So there's some music out there with some Chinese pop artists with me playing the piano on it, you know, like doing some, some really cool stuff that I was able to do in Shanghai. So. I'm just excited that I was able to go to China and just kind of leave my little footprint over there, you know? Yeah, what a blessing. So you decided to leave China and come back to the States. Now, yeah. your girlfriend was your girlfriend then, but you did you marry over there or did you marry here in the States? We married in the States. Okay, so what brought you back? Um, I think I was just homesick at this point. I, I, I wanted to be back. You know, I wanted to be back where I felt like life was a bit familiar, even though I didn't go back home to the Bahamas. Um, moving back to the U.S., you know, life just kind of felt a little bit more familiar. So I was ready, you know, after 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 two years of being far away from home. Yeah, I was ready to kind of be back. I will say this, though, after after I made up my mind that I wanted to leave China after the first year, I was actually trying to go to London again, but that didn't work out. So I ended up back in the U.S., which was which was a great which was a great move. Moving back to the U.S. Um, for those three years actually actually helped my career out a whole lot. I was able to you know use the fact that I went to full sale that helped me got a lot of studio gigs. I mean, the list goes on. And you yeah. went to Atlanta? Yeah. First back in the US, you went to Atlanta. You've been there. Back. Sorry? You've been there ever since, right? 
I actually just relocated in oh. January. Yeah, oh. so I, I moved back to Spain, but this time, yeah, but this time, oh. my, this time my wife is in school and she wanted to, she wanted to go back to school and she found her university here in Barcelona. And so that's where we're currently at right now. That's fantastic. That's an update since we've talked last. So congrats. That's really good. I'm excited for you guys. So let's go back to Atlanta for a moment. So you're in Atlanta, you're doing studio gigs, and this was uh, the beginning of 2020. And then COVID. Ah, how did the pandemic affect you? Everything, everything shut down. Um, it affected me so bad because I just got back to the US, I wanna say August or July of 2019. So it took me a few months to get my um, work permit because you know, I'm not a US citizen. So I was home for a while. It took me a minute to get my work permit. And that also got delayed because of COVID because you know, no one was going into work. But yeah, it, it affected me. It affected me in a pretty negative way. I was, I, was, I was upset a lot of days just being at home, didn't have enough to do, couldn't really go anywhere, eager to work, you know, just ready to be in someone's studio. Because I was, I was already doing that prior to, to March 2020, you know, just networking, just going to studios, even though it wasn't like a job but I met so much people and I was able to give a lot of FaceTime, you know, people got familiar with me, which helped out when the studios opened back up. But, um, but yeah, I was already moving around. I was already from this studio to that studio, um, going to conferences, you know, doing the whole networking thing. So when COVID hit, that literally just put a huge hold on everything. And I think, that lasted because Atlanta was one of the first states to kind of, you know, open back up. I want to say that lasted straight through the summer from like March all the way up to July, August. And then when things started to open back up, they people slowly started allowing persons to come back into studios because, you know, studios is one of those places where you are in close proximity to people. And so that, slowly opened back up. And I want to say by late 2020, early 2021, I officially got my first studio gig and I started working like mad. Like I was like, whenever y'all need me, I'll be there. Just call me and I'll be there. But uh, it, I did, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But I did take advantage of the downtime um, I found a new genre that I had never, I had never produced before. I've always been doing like hip hop and R&B and I've never produced lo-fi. One of my friends put me on to lo-fi and I'd never, I'd never made a lo-fi track in my life. And so the whole 2020, while I was home, I was working on a lot of lo-fi music. And so now I consider myself a lo-fi producer as well, because I have a bunch of lo-fi stuff out on the street. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Something good came out of, out of, out of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. Okay. So tell us a little bit about the sync industry and maybe explain kind of what it is and how it's beneficial and necessary in the music industry and how you sure. got there. Sure. So the sync industry is actually one of the most important parts of our day-to-day -day life. When you think about it, the sync industry is responsible for putting music in your television ads, putting music in your radio ads, putting music in, you know, the theme song of your favorite TV show, having music in the trailers, having music in movies, having music in TV show scenes. You know, anywhere where there's music, you can say thanks to the sync industry. So I got started into the sync industry actually back in the Bahamas. So I make music for clients back home in the Bahamas where they use my production for television ads and radio ads. 
And I was always interested in how I can get into the sing industry in the US. I knew it was a little bit different than in the Bahamas, but I always had this curiosity on how I can get into the sync industry in the US. And so I tried a few different channels and then I said, you know what, I probably need to do an internship. So this is where the internship came in after all those years. So I found an internship for Blaze Unlimited and it was like a three month internship. And I was, you know, I got it. I basically told them, you know, I currently work in the sync industry, but it's back in the Bahamas, but I want to learn about the US. And, you know, I just basically uh, did that internship for three months. And then afterwards, they wanted to keep me on and to continue on working with the company. And so a lot of what I learned in the sync industry is that you have major companies that reach out to music supervisors or yeah, that's the best term that I can use, music supervisors. And music supervisors are the ones that are responsible for collecting the music for their clients. In the Bahamas, is a little bit different. The client basically contacts you directly and say, hey, I need music for this. But in the US, there's a little bit of a middleman is the music supervisor. So we work with music supervisors. And then some of the major companies, they have their own music supervisors who are responsible for outsourcing music from catalogs or, or music libraries or sync companies like ourselves. So when you hear a catalog, music library, sync company, they're all the same. And so um, one of the things that I, that, I, that I learned is that the sync industry is a little bit more lucrative if you are a songwriter or a music producer, the sync industry can be a little bit more lucrative because they have the money to pay you upfront. If you're trying to get a placement with an artist, that usually takes months. Sometimes you don't know if you got placed or not, but with the sync industry, you know, you'll know right away if something got placed. And a lot of the times, you know, you're looking at four to five figures for a payout. And I'm talking high five figures for the payout. And if you own 100% of the record, that's all you. And, and I've seen in most cases where artists, they own 100% of the record. So their percentage of the payout goes 100% to them. And so what's happening now is that a lot of independent artists are focusing on the sync industry because they realize there's more opportunity there finance-wise for them to kind of keep up with their life so they don't have to work a typical nine to five. They can land a few sync placements a year. You know, if they get some something that's 20,000 this month and then a few months later, they get something that's like 50,000, that's 70K right there for the year, you know, they can live off of that. Some people's yearly is, you know, 60, 70K. And the sync industry is actually offering opportunities for independent artists to be able to make that in just the space of a few months. That's insane and wonderful all at the same time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. However, it's very demanding. And I learned that you have to be ready because the timelines or the deadlines is just super quick. So for example, they would reach out today and they say, hey, I need so-and-so but I need it by tomorrow, 4 p.m. Eastern time. Mm. And if it's, something, if it's something that you have to create from scratch, you gotta be in a position to just drop everything, create that and have it turned in before tomorrow, 4 p.m. Eastern time. Yeah. Got it. Yeah, that could be demanding. Yeah. Do you have much. any uh, favorite projects that you've gotten from this? Um, I do. I'll, I'll mention the one that I can speak on because unfortunately you do sign a lot of NDAs when you're working in the sync industry. But um, the one that I did, the one that I did with Tyler Perry, not the one that I got as the theme song, that was great. But being a creative licensing manager, like landing my first song placement, like helping another artist, make money like getting their music placed i think that was that was one of my favorite projects that i worked on it was it was just as fulfilling as the one that i got for myself you know okay i see now 
it's kind of the pieces are all kind of coming together because when you say sync it just it, it's like this word out there and you don't really know exactly how it all works so what so, you're saying is it together so think so think about it so think about it this way so we use the the term very loosely but um it's pretty it's pretty um literate in terms of syncing music to a scene so the the video is already there and all all our job is that we're finding music that's perfect for the video editors to sync up with the scene i hope i explained explain that a little yeah bit. that does that ex that explains it perfectly and like you said being a producer when you know what the need is for a specific project you know you can either create it yourself or you have someone else that you're working with that could do just as great a job. So yeah, that is really cool. I love it. Do you um, want to share? I mean, I have the one song, the theme song to the Tyler Perry TV show, um, Zatima. Can I share that with our uh, audience to hear it? Absolutely. 30 it's seconds. It's 30 seconds, guys, so it's gonna go by quick. <laughs> you want to key it up or say anything about it? <clears throat> yes, yeah, sure. So this is the theme song for Tyler Perry's studios, Zatima. The TV show actually went number one on Amazon Prime, and we're hoping that it goes number one again because we got renewed for season two that actually aired two weeks ago. So here is a Timo, produced by yours truly. That's great. Isn't that awesome? It is. It is. I love it. So cool. I think it's fantastic. Very, very good. Thank you. So I want to open it up to anyone in the audience that might want to ask any questions. Please feel free to put them in the chat. And Justin's going to monitor that. Just let me know if any come in. Um, while we're waiting, I'll just ask uh, probably biggest takeaway from Full Sail and how it's affected your success in your career. Yeah, my, my biggest takeaway from Full Sail, um, can I say two? Of course. So I have two. Um, the work ethic that I learned from Full Sail being the first one, um, <clears throat> just being able to get the work done when it needs to get done. Um, that's one of the things that has helped me so much. Um, Full Sail um, did a really good job at teaching us everything that we need to know, basically preparing us for the for the real world, for the job market. Um, I know they, I know you guys say that at um, like when you go and you do the tour. That's kind of like one of the things that they tell all the students, like when they're preparing you for the job market. It's true. By the time as I got done with food sale, I was I was ready to go. Um, secondly, networking. Networking has affected my career in such a great way. A lot of the connections that I have now came from full sale. Um, a lot of the people that I work in the industry with now is from full sale. We all went to full sale together. Someone that I work in the sync industry with as well is from full sale. Um, and I think just being from Full Sail too, you kind of have this, you know, alumni, you know, it's like you're there, you know, it's like, you know, what's going on. So just networking with persons, whether you went to school with them or not, I think it's important. Important Utilizing LinkedIn is also very important. You know, networking with other Full Sail students on LinkedIn is also super important. So, yeah. I think that was the two biggest takeaways, the networking and the work. And those are very big ones. Really, really good. Um, we do have your LinkedIn uh, 
link as well as your website link. And we'll post those in the chat in case anyone wants to check those out afterwards. I do see a question. I'm going to go ahead and jump in. What's the purpose of this meeting? Wow. <laughs> so we want to highlight our graduates and we have some amazing alumni and Chavez is one of the great ones. So we want everyone here that's attending to be able to see what you have to look forward to. I mean, if you decide to come here, if you're a prospective student, if you're an active student, then we want you to know what's in store and the potential that you have to reach. And this is just an example of what you can do if you work hard and study and network and learn a good work ethic. Yeah, that's what this is all about. And I think he is an excellent example of that. So if you're an alumni joining us and just want to see what Chavez is up to, I hope that you've learned a little bit more about him and his um, career as well. I don't think we have any questions. Kind of crazy, no, Chavez. No questions. I do have a question, though. <laughs> um, so, hey, Chavez, um, first off, amazing story. I love it. I love your journey. And uh, here fulfilling your career but um, I think one of the things that I, I'm curious about is how did you manage culture shock kind of moving from you know Bahamas to America America to Spain and then Spain to Ch Shanghai China and then back to the States then to this to Spain yeah how did I manage I I, I really don't know <laughs> honestly I, I don't have like the perfect answer for that but I will say this with each move um, I treated it like the previous one. So I just basically went into it, you know, with zero expectations, um, just only hoping for the best and striving to put my best foot forward. So when I initially started school in Orlando, that was the mentality. You know, I had no expectations because I didn't know what to expect. Yes, I heard things from other people, but I tried to leave others' opinions for them, and I try to make my opinion for myself. And so that's pretty much the attitude that I had with, with Orlando, and then going to Spain, China, and then back to the US. Okay, thank you. Um, I do see we have a question. Um, how does the process of licensing for music in a show or movie looks like? Okay, cool. So when there's a, there's, there's a few processes, but I'll, I'll just go through the most common ones. So as a producer, composer, songwriter, artist, whichever one you are, you would basically reach out to a music library or a sync licensing company. And basically what you're trying to do is you're trying to solicit yourself and your music to them in hopes that they would represent you to their clients. Once you guys come to an agreement where, hey, we're going to represent you and your music, and we're going to help pitch your music to our clients, what comes next is we are trying to find the perfect brief for your music. And when I say brief, I'm talking about just a, basically a description, a description of a scene or a description of a ad or a description of a movie. Any, it could be anything along those lines where your music may be a perfect fit. And once we are able to pitch your music and it's successfully selected for that, then comes you know, the whole payment process and your music is then ingested into the actual film or the, you know, or the medium where it's going for. And at this time, we would actually ensure that the music is something is is a it's already registered, and we would also ensure that you have the proper registration, like with a PRO. So that could be BMI, ASCAP, whatever the case may be. Because once your music is now played on air, there are royalties that needs to be collected for you for that actual showing. So that's pretty much like. Uh, I know I kind of condensed it, but that's pretty much how the process works. Perfect. Thank you. Um, I do have a question from um, Rodrigo's. Hello, Chavez. What a great story you have. I, I am a recent music production graduate as well, and I'm very intrigued in sync licensing. So my question is, what basic knowledge do you need to have and how can you get it get into that? Pleasure meeting you. 
Oh, pleasure meeting you as well. Um, I think I think all of the information that you would have collected from full sale is the basic knowledge that you would need to you know get into the sync industry. Again, as I mentioned before in answering the previous question, um, you would just need to find music libraries or a sync licensing company that would be interested in representing the music that you create for yourself or the music that you create for others. And you just um, submit your music to them in hopes that they would um, be interested in representing you and representing your music to their clients. So I currently work for a sync licensing company. It's right there on my LinkedIn. If you guys ever get the opportunity to check it out, it's right there on, on my LinkedIn. And you can submit music to us. And we go through our submissions all the time. We actually try to submit, I mean, we actually try to ingest new music on a monthly basis. So we're always checking our submissions and we're always looking for um, new music to pitch to our clients. Let's say I'm a filmmaker or a producer of a TV show and I want a specific song in my show that's already out there that a, a group or a band, let's just say, oh, I don't know, uh, Coldplay, a song that Coldplay does. So I would, the, our music supervisor would contact you to find out if that's a song that's available. How does that work if it's a specific song I'm looking for? So if you're, if you're looking for a song by Coldplay, <clears throat> you're actually going to reach out to the persons that own the publishing for that Coldplay song. So for Blaze Unlimited, we work with a lot of independent artists. So a lot of the independent artists, they own their publishing. So we deal with the artists directly. We have a few situations where we work with record labels. Like we, um, we have two deals with record labels where we basically um, uh, represent their catalogs. We also uh, represent the catalog of Armani's White. Uh, I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with Armani White, but he had like a, a hit song earlier this year or last year called Billie Eilish. But nonetheless, he's signed to a major record label as well. And so we represent him. But in your instance, you would just reach out directly to the persons that own the publishing for that Coldplay song. Now, if you are unable to contact that person and if you want us to contact that person for you, we can. So the publishing information it's very easy to find. You can use BMI or ASCAP, and the publishing information is there. Usually there's a telephone number or an email, and then you just reach out and say, hello, trying to use the song, blah, blah, blah. And yeah, it should be good from there. Got it. I do have a, another question from Chris. Um, what is your greatest achievement as a songwriter, producer, and musician? Oh, um, my greatest achievement, I would say, honestly, being able to do this. Um, I always, I always dreamt about this, you know, being able to, 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 to speak to other students and to be able to give back and share the knowledge that, that I gained along the way. Because when I was in school, thankfully, Full Sail was always doing stuff like this. Um, it was in person a lot of the times. So, you know, I got to sit down on panels where um, Leslie Brathwaite spoke and, you know, gave all of his information, all, you know, back to us. Um, there was another engineer, I think his name was Jordan. He like worked with Justin Bieber and all these other persons. Yeah, he came back to the school and, you know, he spoke and gave all, all you know, a lot of his information as well to us and a lot of his experience. He shared a lot of his experience. So. I think this will have to be one of my greatest achievements, honestly, just being able to give back because it lets me know that I've accomplished those other goals that I, that I set out for myself. So to be in this position to share information, lets me know that this has to be one of my greatest achievements. Oh, I love hearing that. That's amazing. So to Chris and anybody else out there, we do these Global Grants Presents almost every month. So the same place you got the information on this one, you'll find out about next month and the month after that as well. I do wanna give Mr. Calvin Parker 
the dad an opportunity if he wants to type in the chat anything that he would like for us to know about you. Maybe a little secret trades or something. If he wants to, no pressure. So your brother, I know at first I thought it was your brother in the chat, but he corrected us and said that Calvin is working. And I know he teaches music in the school system there in the Bahamas. So I get that. But hopefully dad has something he wants to share about you. That would be cool. <laughs> be cool, right? I would. I'm sure that he knew you were going to be as successful as you are and encouraged you. Oh, here we go. Looks like he's always been proud of you. I'm That's assuming. <laughs> I'm sure. Since when have you uh, been back to the Bahamas? The last time I went home was in October of 2022. Yeah. Wow. It's a long time. And I got, I actually got to spend a few months. I was there until January, just before the big move. Your dad says you have always been very focused. Yeah, that's that's all him. You know, every time we we talk, he always reminds me to stay focused, stay humble, and represent. And I try my best to hit the nail on all three of those. Sounds like you're doing just that. That's amazing. Well, as you may know, Hall of Fame is coming up next month. Uh, April, mid-April, that second week, or I guess it's the 16th through the 20th, I believe. So definitely check that out online since you'll be in Spain. You'll have to watch the stream of all the big ones. So I'm assuming that you're able to do your work locally, remotely while you're there in Spain. That's pretty amazing. Yes, it is. It is. My, my days are full. You know, I'm pretty much, I'm pretty much working from morning until midnight just based on the time difference. Like I'll still have meetings up until midnight my time, but it's okay. I have no problem with that at all. No problem with that at all. Just as long as I'm able to still work, still submit music to our, our clients. You know, I'm very, very excited about that. I hear you. This has been a pleasure, Chavez. I've really enjoyed chatting with you face-to-face. -face. Our call before was a phone call. So this is really really nice. And I'm sure everyone has really enjoyed it just as much as me. I think it's one of my new favorites. How about you, Justin? Yes, definitely. I think I was just amazed by your uh, adversity and being able to uh, adapt to different regions. And oh my goodness, what you're doing now. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm jealous that you're living in Barcelona. Like, can, can we trade lives? You trade shoes for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I have no problem. I have no problem letting you experience it. Only for a day, though. <laughs> Only for a day. No, no worries. It's a deal. Okay. <laughs> well, we've certainly enjoyed chatting with you. We look forward to doing it again, maybe in another format to give back to our active students. So thanks again very much. And you have a great rest of your Friday off. We don't want to keep you too long. Enjoy your days off and we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you guys so much for having me. I appreciate it. Take it easy. And everyone else, thank you for attending. Uh, we appreciate you being here and uh, look forward to hopefully seeing you on campus or seeing you active students moving on and becoming uh, a Global Grads Presents guest as well in the future. Bye, everyone. <laughs>